Hello and welcome to Simple Self-Care by Naturally Randy Kay. This is a podcast dedicated to simplifying the healing journey by aligning your self-care practices with your own inner wisdom and the natural cycles outside and within. Though self-care has become quite the buzzword, it's actually a vital tool that can fit beautifully into your everyday life. Join me as we explore how to create a deep and meaningful relationship with ourself naturally, intentionally, and simply. And we are back. Season five. Can you believe it? Ugh, it feels so good to be podcasting again. While my break in between seasons are definitely needed, it always feels like a little homecoming when a new season starts. So how are you? How have you been? How's your winter going? I hope all is well. I hope you're getting excited for springtime just around the bend, but I hope that you are able to enjoy some wisdom that deep winter has to bring. Maybe we'll talk about that on another episode. But this week, I'm very excited about kicking off this season with my very wonderful guest, Courtney Carver from BeMoreWithLess.com. And she's also the author of Soulful Simplicity and her latest book, Project 333. If you are a longtime listener, you may remember Courtney from season two, episode 2.5 to be exact, where we talked about her first book, Soulful Simplicity. And I'm very excited for her to be back on, right as her next book is coming out on March 3rd. So Courtney gives a great backstory of who she is and how her minimalist fashion challenge, Project 333, came to be and how it's evolved. So I won't repeat it here, but I do want to take a moment to let you know that if you are listening to this before March 3rd, you can pre-order her book and get access to a very special Project 333 video course and some other bonuses for free. And pre-ordering a book helps an author so much. And so it's a win-win really. Also, this podcast is listener supported by our lovely Patreon supporters. And I always try to have some sort of Patreon bonus for each episode. So for you amazing supporter friends, Courtney has given us a direct link to her simplicity quick guide, 25 ways to simplify in 10 minutes or less. It's a perfect way to start dipping your toe in this whole simplifying thing. And if you aren't a supporter yet, you can join in for as little as $2 and instantly get this bonus and all past bonuses. Head to patreon.com slash simple self-care to check it out. And thanks again to those that support. It means the world and it really makes this podcast happen. Okay, here we go. Take a listen as Courtney and I chat about how simplifying your wardrobe can simplify your whole life, how our material things keep the real things like love and meaningful connection from entering in, how to use your body as an intuitive guide, the power of sharing your personal health story, the benefits of giving up substances and habits that no longer serve you, the highs and lows of being a highly sensitive person, and more. Enjoy. Okay, so Courtney, welcome back to the Simple Self-Care Podcast. It's so great to have you back. Yeah, thanks for letting me come on twice. I know. Only the cool kids get to come on twice. So <laughs> You'll be getting um, phone calls after this from, I know. from one-time guests. I know. Uh, everyone's. I'd love to have everyone back, actually, <laughs> so that's good. But I listened to our first podcast this morning just to like refresh it in my brain of everything we talked about. And so I'm excited to follow up with you on some things and to hear how your book has come to be and just your evolution with simplicity um, is always fun to follow along with you and and how it grows and changes and you've got some new projects coming up. So um, for those listening, if you didn't hear the first conversation we had, it was back in season two and it was like a year and a half ago, I think, which is wild. No wonder I don't remember exactly what we talked about. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Uh, I didn't either until I re-listened to it. So it's great. (laughs) Well, I knew we talked about your first book, uh, Soulful Simplicity. And we actually talked quite a bit about 
some of the nuts and bolts of Project 333. Um, so there's going to be a lot of detail in that podcast as well. But um, but I'm excited to hear more about how this book has come to life and maybe just begin by sharing a quick overview of who you are and what you offer and uh, the book coming out, when it's coming out, all of that stuff. Sure. Well, I'm Courtney Carver and I write for my blog called bemorewithless.com and do some books and courses and speaking around the topic of simplicity and even more than that, really finding our way back to health and what we love about our lives through simplifying our lives. So it's not really about simplicity if I think about it, but simplicity is the way that we get there. And the path that I have found to be the most enjoyable and satisfying and powerful. Uh, and then I have a new book coming out called Project 333. And the, the subtitle of that is The Minimalist Fashion Challenge That Proves Less Really Is So Much More. And that is coming out on March 3rd. So all the threes. We've got Project 333 coming out on 3-3, which I really love. That's awesome. Yeah. Did you do that on purpose? It's possible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's possible like it. we plan that. Three is a very magical number. So I agree. I, I dig it. Um, yeah. So Project 333 is has been my gateway into minimalism. And you've been talking about this for quite a while. It was kind of how you started getting into your own business, I think, and speaking and sharing simplicity with the world. And I guess I'd just like to talk about here how how this project is a very practical tool to simplify your wardrobe in a fun and like gamified way, but the substance behind it, um, that it does open up a whole world to you that you can start experimenting with. Yeah. What I really love about it is that on first glance, it seems like a challenge that has to do with your clothes and your closet and a really, as you said, practical and often easy way to sample minimalism or sample a simpler wardrobe. And it's a great first step into simplifying your life. It might be the only step that you ever take, but for most people who do the challenge, myself included, you start to discover all of these other things as you're working through the challenge and connecting it to things that are far outside of your closet. And I kind of think of it like a yoga class. Like when you take yoga, you stretch out on the mat and you do different poses. And for some people, maybe that's all it is. But again, I think for most people, they start to see ways that they can take their practice off the mat and into the world. Um, whether it's things that they're learning about, you know, how to listen to their bodies or how to have more compassion or whatever it is, um, how to be more flexible, not just in your body, but in your, your mind and your heart. Um, Project 333 is the same way in that you can leave it at your clothes and closet or you can go much deeper and find these lessons that you can bring into your day-to-day -day life. And that's what makes this challenge so exciting to me and worth talking about for almost 10 years. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I don't think I could keep going, but it's just phenomenal to continually hear from people who are you know, finding that their mornings are much easier or they have more patience with their kids or they are experiencing less anxiety. I mean, I never expected to hear any of that, uh, but so thrilled that it turned out like that. Yeah, there's that idea or that phrase out there, how you are with one thing is how you are with everything else. And so mm -hmm. that's the power of some sort of practice. And I do talk about that in yoga and like when in my classes with what they're doing on the mat and how that's similar to their everyday life. So it's, it's always good to have some sort of framework to reveal to yourself 
how you are in a very tangible way, because we're just stuck in our grooves and stuck in our head and, and not really paying that close of attention until we do something that puts it right in front of our face that we have to be like, oh, I, I am like this, not just with my closet, not just with my practice, not just with how I eat, like everything. It's really fascinating. Yeah, I think so too. So you mentioned that you've been talking about this for 10 years and I'm curious, you've mentioned it in your book too, how there's been periods of your life where you've stopped talking about it. Um, Could you talk more about why it keeps coming back for you and why it's something that you are just now 10 years later writing a book about and, um, and still perpetuating into the world? Sure. Well, there was definitely a period of time and I can't remember how long ago it was, but there was a time where I thought I had said everything I needed to say about Project 333. And even though I was continuing the challenge for myself and I knew a lot of other people were too, I thought maybe I just move on and not share on this topic anymore. And so I had a website dedicated to it that I closed, a Facebook page that I shut down really was working my way towards just closing the conversation. And I was chatting with a friend of mine, her name's Heidi, and she has, I think I even mentioned this in the book, she has a website called bootycrush.com. And she and I used to work together before we had um, our own businesses. And I was telling her how I was really just kind of over it and I'm not going to talk about it anymore. And she got so upset with me and she was like, what are you talking about? Like, stop complaining about this. This is how people find you. And this is their first step into simplifying their lives. Like it might not seem like a big deal to you anymore because you've done it for so long, but people who are just discovering it, it's a really important part of their simplicity journey. And literally ever since that conversation, I just changed the way that I looked at it all together. And kept writing about it. Now, I didn't open another website for it or anything like that. Everything lives on my one website uh, or my main website, but she was right. Like, just because it wasn't like new and exciting for me anymore, doesn't mean it's not new and exciting for other people. So I have found kind of a new enthusiasm for it. And then when the new book idea came up, that was very exciting to me as well, to be able to put all of the material into one place, because there are so many articles about it. And I still get so many of the same questions that to have kind of a, you know, one place that everybody can go and get all the information they need was really appealing. And I feel like too, if, if you would have written this book in the beginning, it probably wouldn't be as good. <laughs> it would have been it would have, it would have been one chapter long. I didn't know what I yeah. was doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's almost like for, I always like you got to just trust when things come out into the world is the is when it's meant to come out because you have it's so rich with um it like covers fears and like everyone's objections even though they would want to do it and then you've got testimonials and people that have been doing it for years along with you and it's just like I don't know. It's just, it was the right time. Yeah. Or it is the right time. (laughs) It is. Yes. It's happening. (laughs) It's happening now. Um, and I, I mean, I can relate to that. Uh, I, the practices that I teach are so simple, like even being a yoga teacher, I've been a yoga teacher for 10 years now. And there's a part of me that's like, I just don't want to be a yoga teacher anymore. And I have all these judgments about what that means about me, or I should be more advanced with my teachings or things that I offer. But every time I offer, I do a beginner series that I've done for years and years and years. And every time I am with those students and I see how their lives are changed by trying gentle therapeutic yoga, I'm just like, oh yeah, (laughs) this is it's the simple stuff. Like it is these, um, really simple practices that can change your life. It's always the basics. And I think about this too, when I'm writing even non project 333 things about simplicity or creating a new 
course or something like that, like we can go there when it's time. Like we can really get into like personal challenges or things that are very advanced. But I mean, even for me, even though I've been doing this for many, many years, it is the basics that really appeal to me. And knowing that when I come back to those basics, like if I'm feeling scattered or distracted or uh, I don't need to go like deeper or way down the rabbit hole, I just need to come back to the basics and start there and then move on. Uh, But it's this constant process of always coming back. And that happens for me in yoga too. Like I will find myself not practicing for a while or not getting to a class, but the moment I just simply step onto my mat, like something that basic, I feel like, okay, I've come back. And that is just what we're doing in life. Like we're just always coming back to what's meaningful to us. Mm -hmm. I love how you talk about um, our stuff getting in the way of seeing what's meaningful and seeing what we actually love. And I love that you end the book spoiler alert uh (laughs) talking about love oh boy (laughs) (laughs) um but could you speak more about um how you've experienced stuff or even like you mentioned the not going to yoga or these brain traps we get into um how they serve as like a block or a wall to things like love and self-worth and and meaningful connection well when i when I think about what you're asking, when you say stuff, I'm thinking not just our like physical clutter stuff, Mm -hmm. but our stuff, like our thoughts and Mm -hmm. our ideas about what's right or wrong or when the right time to do something is or um, what we deserve or what we're worthy of. That's all stuff as well. And it does get in the way because it prevents us from very clearly seeing what is there for us. If, if we're there to accept it. Um, And I'm not even thinking about anything specific, but just as a concept, we're often not open to that because we're either very overwhelmed with what we have to manage in our day-to-day life and distracted as a result. And then when we manage to clear a little time and space, we're exhausted from carrying that weight for so long. So it's not an overnight process like, okay, I'm going to clean out my closet and the next day I will have reached full enlightenment and (laughs) (laughs) it's just not, doesn't work like that. And even, you know, many, many years into this, like I said, I still have to come back sometimes because I might have a crazy day or I might have some kind of surprise in life that is outside of my control and just have to remember that it really is up to me to make it easy for myself to pay attention and be clear. That's not to say there aren't really challenging times of life for people and times of life that are much busier for people. I mean, people with little kids, newborn babies, people taking care of their parents. Um, I mean, lots of different situations in life, people that are unwell and that are really trying to heal and take care of themselves you might have to give all of your focus to those things in that time. But if you've been practicing or if you're open to practicing this method of coming back, you can do it in little ways throughout that and then be well, well versed in that process when life shifts. Do you have at this point um, specific things in place that remind you to come back or how do you know when things are off and you have to kind of recalibrate. I have become so sensitive from all this paying attention to how I feel in my body. And so if I'm having, if I am overwhelmed or overcommitted, I can feel it in my body. Like I get tired before I should, or like even before all that stuff is happening, just that I know it's coming. um, I can just, I can feel it. Uh, but one thing that I still do, and I'm sure we talked about this on the first podcast, I would think is I put my hands on my heart to Mm -hmm. check in. 
And sometimes that feels more like a formal practice where I'm doing it after meditation. But sometimes it's like if I'm just rushing and I realize that I haven't really noticed what's happening around me, like, you know how sometimes you can be doing something and then it's two hours later and you don't really know what you did. (laughs) That still happens to me from time to time. And when I catch on that that's happening, then I'll just kind of like connect and put my hand on my heart and take a couple of breaths and just see what's going on. So I think more than anything, I'm able to notice it more quickly now versus, I mean, years ago when it would, I just would ignore it, ignore it, ignore it and be like, I don't have time to not feel right. And then I would end up getting really sick. Um, and my body was just saying like, okay, you didn't listen and now I'm listening for you. So we're going to shut this down. (laughs) Yeah. So you've shared a lot before. It's part of your simplifying story that you got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And so when you say feel it in your body, like it's a, it's a whole other layer, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe I don't, I don't know that it's always like, it's not like I'm feeling MS symptoms necessarily, Mm -hmm. but I'm just very in tune to when things are off and not making excuses for them because that was my specialty. Like I was the professional, uh, Oh wait, I have, you know, my hand is numb. It must be because I pinched a nerve in my neck or I feel dizzy. I must have an ear infection. Like or I must be stressed out. Like I would always have an excuse for it instead of just listening and, and reacting to what's happening instead of just saying, Oh, it's this and then pushing through it. Mm -hmm. I think that's the, one of the gifts of having um, a physical ailment, like a chronic physical ailment is that it definitely I don't know, force is the right word, but strongly invites you to (laughs) look at these things that would be great if we did it otherwise, right? So it helps us to be able to manage it and function in the world. There needed to be this deep dive into these other areas. And I've experienced that with my own journey of managing depression. Like that's why I feel like I I know anything about myself and have anything to offer the world is because of what I've had to do to be able to have a healthy relationship with it and embrace being more sensitive <laughs> and the the blessings and the curse of being a being sensitive to your body and your surroundings because you you can't get away with what you used to get away with uh, <laughs> when you're numbing things out but it becomes a, a I think a huge gift. I agree. And I think it is also thanks so much in part to people being open about this on social media and through their blogs and through other ways of communicating. I mean, I don't know how long ago this all started, but certainly I don't even know if 10 years ago, definitely not 20 years ago, were people talking about any of this. I mean, people advised me and I was diagnosed in 2006, people advised me not to tell anyone that I had MS, not my child, not my employer, not my nobody. And I didn't like that advice at all. I was, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't understand how that would work, like how I could hold that secret, even though I had held other secrets, I guess that felt too big, mm-hmm. but now it's becoming more and more accepted to talk about this stuff and it's really helping other people talk about it and feel less crappy about themselves as a result. We're all dealing with so much at any given time. Yeah, we all have our stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, yeah, there's this like, there's shame around it or whatever. Like being afraid people will think you're weak or something. And it's just, it it such a it creates such a safe place when we start talking about it because it's like oh yeah me too oh yeah like i can i can maybe this whatever you're doing will work for me too like if if we just taught the practices with no substance behind them like what would be the point you know yeah we need the stories yeah i think so i i'm grateful that 
it's starting to shift and I, I get really, I used to be really uncomfortable talking about my mental health, but I just try to bring it up whenever I can. Cause I would never want to go in front of a group of people and have them have a false reality <laughs> of like what's going on. I don't know. Just that, like, I have just learned all these things and my life is perfect and good luck. You know, yeah. if you just do what I do, you'll have a perfect life too. <laughs> oh my gosh. No. Those days are over. <laughs> Those days are over. So over. Well, one thing that I'm intrigued by that you've blogged about recently and I hope don't mind talking about is your decision not to be drinking alcohol anymore. Oh yeah. I, and there I thought I had simplified my life all the way. <laughs> There's always something. <laughs> and then there is something else. Yes. Could you uh, talk more about that and your reason behind it and what you've experienced? Sure. So I stopped drinking uh, a little over a year ago. And I think as we record this, it's about a year uh, yeah, a year and a uh, sorry, year and like half month. I was thinking it was a year and a month, but a year and a half month. And I had always been a very enthusiastic social drinker. I really liked nice wine. Whenever I traveled, I loved to have a drink or two with dinner. Um, and I would say, for the most part, that's what it was like drinking with dinner or um, not totally out of control drinking. But then there'd be one or two times a year where it would be too much and I would feel terrible the next day. And even after a while, those one or two drinks would really be hitting me hard the next day. Like I could still feel it. Like the older I got, I mean, I'm sure for people who drink alcohol, you know, as you age, your body can't tolerate it as well. Um, I don't think it was ever designed to tolerate it at all, <laughs> but <laughs> you can tolerate, you tolerate it much less um, for, for most people, the older that you get. And so even a glass of wine was interrupting my sleep. Um, the other thing about that is that I never really wanted a glass of wine. Like if I had a glass, I wanted a second glass. Uh, there was no question in my mind. I wasn't a one glass of wine drinker. And I would notice over the years, like trying to bargain with myself and make rules like, okay, I'm only going to drink on the weekends, or I'm only going to drink when I travel, or I'm only going to have one glass of wine. And so I was trying to moderate the situation. And in January of 2019, I went on a trip with my husband and we were vacationing and we had too much to drink one night. And the next morning I just felt terrible. Now, nothing terrible happened except that I got drunk and felt very hungover and decided to just take a break. Uh, and I had no days in mind for how long I was going to stop, but I was just going to take a break. And I did that many times before. It was very easy for me not to drink. So I was not drinking and I was getting ready for a trip that was coming up in a few months. And I thought at some point, I just won't drink until the trip, but I was going to Amsterdam and Paris. And I thought, of course, I'm going to have champagne in Paris. And I just never started drinking again. So I went through all through that trip, not drinking and had a wonderful time, like as, as good a time or better as I ever had with alcohol. And when I got back from the trip, it had been about a hundred days. And I think at that point, I decided, because I just kept feeling better and better. And in the past, I had only stopped for maybe 30 days at a time. And I never really got the full feeling of what it's like to not have any alcohol in your system for a really long period of time. So at 100 days, I felt so good without it and so happy not to be making decisions around it that I just decided to stop it for good. And I've never thought otherwise. And I mean, it's only been a little over a year, but still, I can't imagine, like I have no taste for it anymore or no desire for it at all. Zero. And I know that's not everyone's experience who stops drinking, um, but it's been a really positive journey for me. Have you felt healthier in your body overall? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I've felt healthier uh, in, in my both my body and my mind. I mean, mm. by the obvious, like not having a hangover or any kind of fuzzy feeling at all. And 
I don't, I, I'm actually really glad to kind of have be not having that feeling that I used to really enjoy when I'm like easing into that first glass of wine and everything kind of gets a little soft and easy and the words are flowing a little easier and I'm way more outgoing than I normally am. I don't miss that at all either because that wasn't like real me. That was drunk me or buzzed, <laughs> right. buzzed me. And when I worked, for instance, in advertising and I was out and about all the time, I thought that made me better at what I did because it did make me less me, made me more outgoing, made me um, willing to commit to things that I wouldn't normally commit to. Uh, but again, like there's so much resistance and uncomfortableness. I know that, is that a word, uncomfortableness? Sure. Like discomfort. <laughs> yes. <laughs> discomfort. Okay. I do write for a living. Like, there's so right. much discomfort and there always had been for me in not being who I was. And here I had gone through this big transformation in simplifying my life and becoming more of who I was. But I didn't really consider that part of it, the drinking part, a relevant part of the story, mostly because I thought I always would drink and that I would always want to drink. So removing that element has just really helped. Like if everything that I did for 10 years, this like doubled the impact of all wow. of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I actually appreciate about your story that it wasn't a big problem for you. It's not like you had some big scary event or you had a huge problem and then, and then was like, I got to call it quits like this all or nothing thing. It was like, you know what? You know, I don't think this is very good for me. I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. And look, I mean, there were plenty of situations that could have gone wrong. Right. Yes. And didn't. And so mm -hmm. there were a lot of times when I would wake up not feeling great thinking, oh shit, like mm -hmm. that could have gone a completely different way if these three things didn't happen. And that kind of anxiety, walking around with that and, and that guilt and shame of what if could have happened was enough for me. Yeah. It's an interesting topic and it's, I don't know, it just was, uh, I'm glad that you started talking about it and invited the, a conversation um, even with your readers to maybe reconsider the role it has in their own lives. Yeah. And I mean, far be it for me to say what's right for someone else in this case, but I have heard from a lot of people like, probably more response than anything I've been writing or talking about recently that, yeah, I, people are questioning it in their own lives. And it's nice that we don't have to have this, like a specific label to have to quit drinking. Uh, we don't have to call ourselves alcoholic or anything at all. We can just make the decision that alcohol isn't benefiting us anymore mm -hmm. um, or it's not making our lives better. And I think with anything, when that, when you get to that point and you realize like, oh, this is actually distracting me from my life, removing me from my life, maybe that's not what I want. Mm -hmm. And that we don't need it to act silly and outgoing and we can access those things in other ways. And like there was a time I was at a, a shindig and music started and this guy started dancing and like being so funny and silly and he stopped himself and he was like, Oh wait, I haven't had anything to drink yet. <laughs> <laughs> and then waited again till he was had a drink to do those kinds of things. And I was like, Hey man, if you need an excuse to dance silly in public, just hang out with me. Cause I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but like that, it was just an interesting um, thing that they almost didn't feel like they could justify that behavior of just yeah. being, having fun and being social without something like that. Yeah. I mean, I kind of talking about what we said earlier about questioning what we believe and our thoughts. And I, I would, didn't think for instance, that I would go to Europe and not drink and have a great time. It, I just didn't like, I thought it wasn't going to be as fun. And mm -hmm like I said, it was, we had a blast and granted I wasn't out in 
you know, out at late dinners drinking or things like that. But if I think about it, I didn't really love that. Like I don't Mm -hmm. like staying up late at all. (laughs) So why alcohol made me think that was fun? I don't know. Um, Or why I even felt the need to be more fun. I'm -hmm. not sure of, Uh, but yeah, I'm, I feel much more honest with myself without it and much more present in my life. Yeah. And I think that comes back to what we've been talking about before with the project 333, like really making it your experience and what you need and to to be able to have the capacity to take a look at yourself in your life and be like, what is actually serving me and what isn't? And you can, it's a continual refinement, but it just starts with that, that thing that allows you to, to truly check in and and deep dive with yourself. Yeah. You can't start in the wrong place and you will, once you are tuned into the power of really editing your life, it will be an ongoing journey for sure. Edit is my word for 2020. Ooh, I love yeah. it. Because mm-hmm. I feel like I have a lot of the tools. Like it's kind of that that flip side of awareness and sensitivity is that you find once you turn it on, it's hard to put up with a lot of stuff. <laughs> and I feel like I have put up with a lot of stuff and it's time to hone that in. And I've already started. And even the few changes I've made um, with like my diet, I've been going off of coffee. That's been my Everest Ooh, yeah. right now. Uh, <laughs> so that's challenging. Yeah. Well, I got to the point with my body where it, it was telling me to go off of it a long time ago, but I just felt like I didn't have the capacity and to do that for some reason. And then finally I I'm doing it now and it's been I'm on week two, so I'm feeling pretty good. You are, you are over the hump physically, if you had any physical issues, but I think still, you still, it's not the coffee, at least Mm -hmm. for me, the coffee I missed, it was the ritual of Mm -hmm. the enjoying the coffee. (laughs) Yeah. And I realized without the coffee that I actually wasn't fueling myself properly Mm. with food. So So now... I've been doing this whole food renaissance and it's just like the next layer. Um, But yeah, it's been, it's felt really good to finally feel like I'm in a place where I can edit things down and like, and really make changes I've been wanting to make like the next layer of changes, I suppose. Um, It's been, it's been really exciting. And just giving ourselves permission to experiment with Mm. whether it's, the clothes or the alcohol or the coffee or whatever it is in your life to say, okay, I'm not going to, I'm just going to exclude it for a hundred days or whatever you want. And then see what's up with that. Instead of believing what you think about it, see what the reality of the situation is, and then make decisions from that place of knowing instead of guessing. Exactly. Yeah. I, even with the coffee thing, I, I'm, I'm doing it as an experiment, um, to just help reset my body and things. And, but what I've learned in just a week has given me like enough. I don't know if I ever want to be a regular coffee drinker again, just seeing how hard it was for me to detox from it. And like the withdrawals of my body, I was like, I don't even drink that much. (laughs) Like, but I was like a zombie for a good three days. And I was just really intense. And I'm like, I don't think I should be consuming anything that allowed that would create for me to be this way. That was my same experience with coffee. And I will drink it from time to time still, but I'm not a daily coffee drinker anymore because like you said, like those first 10 days and definitely the first seven, it wasn't that I had a lot of headaches or anything like that, but I had very low energy And like, I couldn't access my brain. Like I couldn't make sentences. (laughs) I was like, what is happening? This is not right. I tried to go cold Turkey and the same. So that was last Monday. And that was the same day that my online course 
opened and we had a live call that night and I was like, oh crap, like this is not <laughs> the best day. So I had some green tea and that helped. Um, and so I've been using green tea to kind of help wean me off of, of caffeine, but it was like, I got to function. Like this is embarrassing, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's been worth it. And, and like you said, these are all just experiments. And like, I was talking to my husband about it and he, he does not have that relationship with coffee. He can drink it with very little, uh, dependency and he can get off of it with very little. And it's just like how his body is. So that's not like a thing for him, mm. you know, but it's a thing for me. And once you find it out, then that you gotta be wise about what, what you do with it. For sure. So, okay. So we're working through our, <laughs> our vices here. Uh, one thing I did want to talk about, um, is your, now that you've created more space in your life, you have more energy for new and exciting projects like your new podcast that you have with your daughter, Soul and Wit. And it's just delightful. I've listened to almost every episode. Um, I'm excited to record with you later today. Yeah. Um, but could you share about how that podcast came to be, what people can expect from it, and what it's like working with your daughter, which is always fun? Sure. Well, the Soul and Wit podcast is one of my favorite things right now. Uh, we launched in November and it was so cool after, you know, almost 10 years of blogging and sharing in the way that I share to do something completely different and to do it with my daughter is just really the best thing. We're having such a blast in that we get together once a week to record and we don't know what we're doing most of the time, although we're getting better and better at it. Uh, but it's just been really fun to have these conversations that a lot of them we were having on the phone every morning. So she would call me in the morning when she was out walking her dog and we would just talk. And I just kept thinking after a while of us talking like that, that it would be really fun to share that in a podcast format. And at the time, she was really interested in starting a podcast, and I was considering starting a podcast just for this new book that's coming out, but I wasn't excited about it. I, I just thought it's going to be something that's so short-term and really covering everything that is both in the book and will be on a lot of other podcasts, and the information will be out there. So I just wasn't very motivated and excited. And I just decided to ask Bailey if how it was going for her and starting her podcast and if she'd be interested in doing something together. And she said, I'm so glad you asked because I finally got into the recording studio and tried to record an episode and I was so bored by myself. <laughs> She's like, I was yeah. so bored. I couldn't take it. And so <laughs> it, it was like the perfect timing for both of us. And yeah, we're just really enjoying it. and. Uh, she's going to actually be joining me on the book tour in a couple of cities and see how that goes because we're thinking maybe about doing some live events in the future around the, the some of the podcast topics that we've been talking about. That'd be so fun. I think yeah. so. So you talk about anything from, you talk about simplicity, but you also talk about just, I don't know how to describe it, just like being a human being, <laughs> you know, and you're we've different. covered a lot of different things because like, even though for instance, on be more with less.com, it's mostly about simplicity, of course, living with less. Uh, but I am like a whole person. Like I do think about mm. other things. And so this was an opportunity to talk about those other things. So yes, we have an episode called how to simplify your life. We talk about morning routines, um, we just recorded an episode about diet culture, which I'm really excited mm. to share. Um, we talk about our favorite cities, New York City, Salt Lake City, um, and others are, um, we're kind of dreaming up what other cities we want to cover, but our favorite books, like things that are part of our lives. And I think it makes it really fun, especially for people who, you know, have kind of known what I do to just see the like, oh yeah, she's a whole person. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
and I like the banter between the two of you. And I think it it's like creates, it's very familiar, like talking to my own mom uh, <laughs> about that. stuff. And like, I just love how, like, cause for me as a big fan of you and your work, it's like, whatever Courtney says, you know, <laughs> and then she, she'll be like, well, I don't do it that way. I don't like, like she, you know, like she's just like offers this fun little, like different opinion and like yeah. you guys get to talk about that. And it's like, I don't know. I really dig it. Well, it cracks me up when, cause I have had people ask me because we've done some Instagram lives together and I share her work. I'm a big fan of what she does and vice versa, but as mom and daughter, yeah, we have differing opinions on a lot of things and our work is really different. And people will ask me like, you guys do such different things. So how can you work together or how can you support her work? And I'm like, um, well, A, I'm her mom. Like I'm her, (laughs) her biggest fan for that reason alone, but also because I think she's a really brilliant person and has a lot to offer in what she Um, shares on, for instance, within her business about social media management and how to navigate um, social media as a beginner and things like that. I'm thrilled to share her work. Like it doesn't, she doesn't have to be a simplicity blogger for me to appreciate what she does. Yeah. That's an interesting question. (laughs) Someone would ask you. It would make sense. I, I do think, so with my parents, we, we do things together. I'm in a band with my dad. And so, so cool. we play music together once a month. And then my mom and I have led um, retreats together. Um, she's a equine uh, life coach. And so we've done things where we are at a horse ranch facility and they she does exercises with horses and the students. And then I reflect with, and do yoga with the students. And it it was a, definitely a learning curve, learning how to be professional with my mom <laughs> and like work through my annoyances or work through the things that, you know what I mean? Like that both of us have with each other. And so, um, but then find a common ground between the work that we do um, was a really cool, a beautiful experience too. So mm. when I listen to your guys's podcast, there's just a lot of mother daughter feels that I think are yeah. really good. And, um, and what a cool, way to like deepen your relationship with each other, but also like continue to share what you share. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it. And I think if I had to say Bailey's biggest annoyance of doing this podcast with me is that I often like get into a fit of laughter for no reason. And then I I can't, I can't get it together. And she's like, we have things to do. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Calm down, mom. Jeez. Yeah. Get it together. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, um, I do highly recommend people check out your book. Um, It's, there are so many other wonderful topics in here that haven't been covered on the podcast, obviously, Um, especially talking about the emotion of our things, um, being aware of marketing tactics, like all of these things that just will change your experience with your clothes, what you relate with every day, but also um, it'll expand to so many other areas of your life. So how can people best get this book and then your book tour and then your courses? Give us the rundown. All right. So they can go to bemorewithless.com slash project dash 333 where they'll find everything about the book, how to pre-order or order, and how to join the tour. I'm going to be um, visiting, I think, 18, 17 or 18 cities between March and April. And there is also a virtual tour stop for people who don't live in or near those cities. And from there, if when, when's this podcast going to air? Do you know approximately? It will be around the time the book comes out. So okay. either mid-February or March, depending on when I get my poop in a group. <laughs> this is my Understand. honest answer. <laughs> okay. Um, well, there is an opportunity if you order the book before the 3rd of March, which is the launch date, to join the Project 333 video course, which is brand new, so brand new that I'm filming it this week, actually, as we're recording. 
the week we're recording um, for free, but there will be opportunities to buy it with a discount if you purchase the book after March 3rd as well. Uh, and then there's some other freebies available. So you might want to just check out the, the book page that I mentioned. And I think if you just subscribe to bemorewithless.com, that's the best way to keep in the loop in terms of new courses and offerings coming up. And if you're on Instagram, please use hashtag project 333 if you're making over your closet or sharing before and after so I can cheer you on. Awesome. Well, thank you, Courtney. And I'll put links to all this in the show notes and shared on social media as well. And thank you again for coming back on. It's so good to reconnect with you. And um, yeah, look forward to more good stuff. Thank you so much. This was great. All right. Since I know you are now a big Courtney fan like I am, be sure to follow Courtney at Be More With Less. And you can access all of the links we mentioned in the show notes at naturallyrandyk.com slash podcast. Oh, and you can check out her and her daughter interviewing me over at the Soul and Wit podcast, where we talk about what real self-care is, my top tips for enjoying the winter, how to get over self-care guilt, and more. It was such a blast to record, and I know you'll enjoy it. And don't forget to take advantage of her pre-order bonuses that we mentioned and head over to patreon.com slash simple self-care to get the special podcast bonus as well. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Randy Kay, a holistic health practitioner and educator that has been helping people heal through body work, therapeutic yoga, and self-care coaching for over a decade. My mission is to help people simplify the healing journey by amplifying their own inner wisdom and teaching seasonal self-care practices. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend, leave a review on iTunes, or post it on social media. And if you do that, please tag me so I can see it and connect with you that way at Naturally Randy K. You can also commune with me via email if you sign up for my weekly-ish <laughs> newsletter, The Simple Letters. You can sign up at naturallyrandyk.com slash newsletter. That's naturally, R-A-N-D-I-K-A-Y dot com slash newsletter. And hearing from you in some way totally makes my life. And I always make sure to personally respond. And be sure to join me next time as the self-care conversation continues. Until we meet again, take good care and enjoy the journey.